0: the panhandle news network the views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the panhandle news network wepm and wcst or west virginia radio corporation
1: nah man you see how good i look nothing signifies that more than a pinch
0: hitter winning a game they shouldn't have played the old golden blue not this night not this night we don't pay attention to what happens what goes on on the outside we just do our job Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field.
1: Touchdown Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown Washington.
0: Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets, and it's a two-possession lead
1: for the Appelman.
2: Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson! Touchdown, Cougars!
0: Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321.
2: The throw not in time! Hedgesville's going to Charleston! Gavin Young puts the drive up
1: 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals... Eighteen and zero to finish the regular season.
0: Now live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air,
1: and it is Panhandle Sports Live for the sixth day of November, twenty twenty-three, or exactly a year away from the twenty twenty-four presidential election. Parker Stone, are you excited? Oh man, is uh, I'm excited as a fat kid when he gets a cake.
2: It's right. uh, yeah. I, that, wow that you said that. That's insane. That
1: we're that close to it already. You're but just going existential on me all of a sudden.
2: I I wasn't expecting that curveball. You you were going to throw me at me at uh I guess I guess 907. If you uh want if you're an anti uh turn the clock back believer here, but I don't know. I, I guess that's another hotbed topic. Are they ever gonna like? No, they're trying. Him? It, apparently, it's been like stalled in Congress for years now. It's just they won't pass it through. So
1: I, I'll ask you are, you: are you a are you a non believer? I don't care. I'll tell you this: uh, I I I always look forward to this time of the year just because you get the extra hours sleep. Uh, and it I'm was nice tired. this morning. I am still tired.
2: <laughs> oh, I felt. I feel re. I like last night. I felt it today. Uh, I felt it. Must be nice. I, I feel like absolutely refreshed right now, so it's it's a nice change of pace. But I, I'm I'm for us going with one standard clock at some point. But I do like the extra hour of sleep, so I guess I'm in the camp with you. It, it doesn't matter, but they need to either keep not stall it anymore. But anyway,
1: all right. So we got a lot to talk about on today's show, and we're going to talk about high school football, a bounce back performance, and a dominant performance from both the Shepherd and WVU football teams. Uh, we'll also look back at a crazy weekend of NFL per usual. Uh, we'll look to listen back to uh, how our picks went when we picked the NFL last Friday. Uh, and uh, and more to come in the show as well. But let's lead off, first of all, with some uh, Shepherd related news um, that happened over the weekend. Right on top of it, Park, while the rest of the world was uh, taking that nap between the end of the fourth 25 window games and the 8 o'clock Sunday night football game, um, there was a certain Shepherd alumni that took home a certain piece of hardware. Uh, that we need to talk about before we get into today's show. And by the way, this was called months ago by baseball in the Mountain State, but still.
2: Yeah, absolutely fantastic award. Brenton Doyle, of course, Shepherd alum, Shepherd baseball player now with the Colorado Rockies. He was the winner of the National League Gold Glove Award for center field. So now with him winning the Gold Glove, he's up for nomination for the Platinum Glove, which is the overall best fielder in baseball for that season. I think there's voting going on online right now. You could go... Vote probably on MLB's MLB's website, and you can go vote for Bretton Doyle as the Platinum Glove. But uh, fantastic for a rookie as well to win the Gold Glove. Someone who a lot of people weren't talking about at the start of this year was Bretton Doyle. He was deep in the farm system for the Rockies. Now is a mainstay on that roster. He's a Gold Glove winner. So, I mean, that's something that can never be taken away from him. And uh, once again... Uh, a small school in West Virginia is getting represented really well. We've seen what, of course, Tyson Bajant's been doing. We Now we have Brenton Doyle showing on in the baseball rank. So, again, congratulations. And Monty to Cater's going into the College Football Exactly, Hall of Fame. and Coach Cater going into the Hall of Fame as well. Just well, what a what a 2023 it's been for Shepherd Rams Athletics. So, again, congratulations to Brenton. And, of course, congratulations to Coach Cater getting the field named in his honor this weekend as well. Just a, a fantastic weekend, I think, for Shepard Athletics as a
1: whole. So listen to this crazy stat, and we'll uh, move on to high school football here in just a second. It's the 17th season in Major League Baseball history that a player finished with above two defensive war, uh, which means you're you're two wins better than the average fielder. That's basically all that war means. And minus 1.1 offensive war, meaning that's how good he was Defensively, but offensively, he struggled. It's happened 17 times, although Hal Lanier did it a bunch. So he's in here a couple of times. So listen to the company that Brenton's in uh, after winning this award. Nick Ahmed, Jackie Bradley Jr., Clint Barmas, the legend, Yadier Molina, the greatest catcher in the history of all time, Juan Uribe, Rayo Odornias, Hal Lanier, Roberto Clemente, Billy Hunter, Jackie Hayes, uh, let's see, Bill uh, Killefer, Bill Bergen, Harry Sage, and George Baker. So that's not necessarily the worst company to be in, especially early in your career. Uh, but congratulations to Brenton Doyle, and uh, as Park alluded to, uh, you can find links all over the place to vote for the Platinum Glove. Make sure it's a safe link. Uh, but let's go vote, vote for our boy, and see if he can uh, win that award as well. So, high school football last Friday, the final week of the regular season. You could have heard on our airwaves, number 16 Parkersburg uh, dominating number 15 Musselman, 41 to 10. Spring Mills setting a program record, their eighth victory in a season. It's the first time the Cardinals have ever done that. They were tied at six against Hedgesville, uh, but then it was 36 unanswered by the Cardinals to win that game. And then Jefferson in the newly minted Burger Bowl took down Washington on the road, 48 to nothing. So we'll talk about the playoff picture in just a moment. Um, but those of those five EPAC teams that were in action, uh, three of which are making the playoffs. Of course, Martinsburger didn't play, is making the postseason as well. Musselman, despite a loss, and we've got a text regarding Musselman we'll get to here in a second, uh, they get into the postseason, Spring Mills and Jefferson finished the, the uh, regular season park with some momentum as well.
2: Yeah, overall, a weekend where a lot of things got wrapped up and now we're heading towards the playoffs. It beat my expectations. I thought we were only going to see three teams get in. From the Eastern Panhandle, due to strength of schedule and the implement that's put in with the power rankings and the playoff rankings, Musselman sneaks into that 16 spot and they're going to get Capital Midland in round number one. But overall, just a lot of the things that have really maligned Musselman this season came out in the Parkersburg game. Anthony Ice for Parkersburg, he comes back and he looks like he's about fully healthy. Has an absolutely dominant performance, three total touchdowns for the wide receiver. David Parsons looked as advertised as one of the better quarterback prospects in the state of West Virginia, and it was a Parkersburg team that showed up. Who visited Shepard yesterday. He, yeah, he did. Or shoot. Saturday, sorry. Yeah, he was over that way. It's, it's a Parkersburg team. Again, like I said, I wouldn't want to play Parkersburg in round number one, and thankfully none of our teams in the Eastern Panhandle have to go against Parkersburg in round number one, but... It's it, hurricane. That's going to be a fun game. Yeah, Hurricane Parkersburg is going to be one that's going to be. And I said this on Friday too. Parkersburg is much better than six and four. They're probably they're probably an eight and two team and probably hosting the first round if. Things go their way, but it's a Parkersburg team. It's a test for Musselman. Now they get a rematch with Cabell Midland and try and face off with that. Your opinions, as they may, for a team with a losing record getting the 16 seed for the playoffs. And I guess we can dig deeper into this conversation here on this Monday with the changes in the rankings. I mean, we see we saw some five and five teams get left out. University got left out. Brooke got left out at five and five. But Musselman sneaks in at a four and six. Is this the right move? Is a strength of schedule decision? Like, it's not taking away anything from Musselman at all. I, I want to get that out of the way. I mean, they have quality wins. They beat John Hanley, who I think finished their season seven and two, and they beat Loudon Valley, who's a pretty good program, and they handled business against Hedgesville and Washington. But a Musselman team that's four and six compared to a University and Brook team that's five and five, it, it, it's kind of weird now seeing a team with a losing record make the playoffs just because they've played five out of the best. 10 teams or top 15 teams in the state. Is is that something that we're fully acceptant of? Is Musselman the one of the best 16 teams in the state of West Virginia in class triple A? Can we can we confidently say yes or no to that? I
1: I don't know. Well, a couple of things to that point. Number one, the SSAC prioritized, obviously, by changing the point system to reward teams that play tough schedules. So if you're a believer that these teams need to go out and play somebody and see how good they are as opposed to loading up their schedule. Like, since we don't have any listeners from Oak Hill, I'll just say it, Oak Hill had a really easy schedule. Yeah. They get into the postseason at 8-2, and two, and they're going to get stomped by Princeton in the first round. Like, we shouldn't necessarily reward a team that plays a very easy schedule. I've seen, you know, I've been around programs, and besides Oak Hill, I'm sorry I threw some shade there at the Red Devils, but just in general, You see it, and uh, these teams get cooked in the first round of the playoffs, and it's just, you know, why waste everybody's time? To answer your question, and we'll we'll get the text line fired up with this one. I know people are going to be upset, and I'm going to get to that Musselman text in a second. Because you asked whether or not Musselman was a playoff team. I think the answer is yes. I absolutely believe that of the 32 teams in Class AAA, they're right where they should be. They're right there in the middle, the middle of the pack. Two really quality, out-of-state wins. They handled their business against the two teams in their conference that they needed to handle, and we talked about this as well. Musselman went out and played a tough schedule. They played an egregious schedule because they had to add Cabell Midland. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at a Musselman team that picked up you know, just a, a middle-of-the-pack team they were able to beat in their 5-5, five and five, we're not having this conversation right now. That's where I think Musselman is. Now, with that said, you know, do they deserve more than the 16? Absolutely not. You know, are they going to win in this first round against Cabell Midland? It's going to be tough because Cabell Midland already showed what they could do against Musselman when they played the first uh, time. But, you know, there's a, a a group of teams. I don't know if I'd put Morgantown into love. Frankly, look at the playoff picture and tell me who is more deserving of Musselman to get into that 16 spot. I mean, university does not deserve to get in after losing to Brook. They just yeah. you know and the, the the teams below them as well, the, you know, Hedgesville and Washington fortunately just don't deserve to get into the playoffs. Triple A this year is a 15 team class. Somebody needed to be that 6th. Well, I
2: saw this get uh, talked about on Twitter a little bit over the weekend. Of course, that there's the talk going, and not sure if it's finalized or that's where we're heading with things, if we're going to get the expansion to four classes in the state of West Virginia, similar to what we have in basketball. If we go to four classes, they, they've got to trim down the playoff field, right? Yeah,
1: I was going to say, losing teams will get in in every classification every year. So what would, what would what would if putting you in that well, it, situation turning, where would you put you're, it? You're turning into uh, you're turning into Maryland, where everybody yeah. makes. The Every, would you, you cut it at twelve? Yeah, you cut it would have eight? to be twelve. You'd have to give four teams a bye. I mean, if you cut it down to eight, you've gone from what forty eight playoff teams to thirty two playoff teams. Yeah, and that defeats the purpose of going to four classes because they want more teams in the playoffs. If you went to four classes and you went down to twelve, the number of playoff teams would stay the same. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, the SSA season a tricky spot where they see some smaller single-A schools that they want to have success, especially in—and we don't have to have this conversation again. We will when basketball comes around. You know, the SSAC heard the cause and the plight of the small single-A that was getting abused in that classification by private schools, and they tried to do what they could to fix it for basketball, and some would argue they made it worse because they st- they spread out those—in basketball, those private schools from just one classification to three— so all of a sudden, Wheeling Central was now winning in triple-A. You know, Charleston Catholic was winning in double-A. And then uh, Greater Beckley Christian was winning in single-A. So the single-A's or the, the private schools just got spread out and they were winning even more and taking opportunities away from other people. You know, I, it's not the same exactly for football, but I've said it before. West Virginia is not a three-class state. It's certainly not a four-class state. It's a two-class state. You know, I, it's just, you know, geographically it becomes isu- an issue. And, it would be tough for some of those single-A schools if they were lumped in with double-A's to make the playoffs at all. But speaking of the playoffs, well, before we do that, I want to get to that Musselman texture, And you can text us, 304 263 Texter brings up an interesting point. He says, hello, gentlemen. Hello to you, sir. I have something to share after my third Musselman game of the year. One thing I've noticed watching the Appleman is that it's impossible to play quarterback for this team. They seem like they keep rotating kids in, but here's my point. And I know that's not your point, but I will say Michael Thompson – uh, got slammed down and that's why he was taken out of that game um, with an upper body injury that's why Eli Fleming came in how do you pass when you're almost always behind on the scoreboard you can't run the ball you're in third and long more than you aren't it's hard for receivers to get open you throw inside 10 yards or throw it deep there isn't much pass protection you're on the same five plays over and over and the other team is faster these things have been true for every game I've seen I mean I think I'd rather try to defend Michael Jordan in his prime than play quarterback for the Appleman this year. Just seems really obvious to me that it's an impossible task for these kids. There are some difficulties when it comes to playing quarterback for the Appleman. When the run game isn't there, you know, if you start a drive, we've seen this with Shepard sometimes. When Malachi Brown is struggling, if you start a drive with a one-yard carry and a one-yard carry and it's third down and eight, you're gonna struggle to move the chains. Yeah. And Musselman's been in a lot of third and longs this season. That's that's a fair assessment. Both quarterbacks. And it's a shame. It's, you can see what both quarterbacks they use do well. Eli Fleming needs time to let routes develop, and he hasn't been given time in every game. Yeah. He was at the beginning of the season. He makes reads. He picks apart a part of defense. Michael Thompson is somebody that just perfectly fits into the scheme because he's been running it for so many years, and he's got the ability to go through his primary read to, when the run is established, be a much more threatening quarterback, and he takes shots down the field. You know, because I would say he's probably got a stronger arm of the two. The problem is when those two quarterbacks are taken out of their comfort zone, i.e., Fleming doesn't have any time in the pocket, and Thompson doesn't have the run game to support him, they struggle. So I, I agree with that sentiment. You know, this Mussman appleman team isn't perfect, but you wouldn't expect the 16th team in Class AAA to be perfect either. You know, there are. I'm glad the season ended up the way that it did because their seniors they get to play one more game. Uh, and then there are some kids that are juniors and sophomores on this team that are going to look at this season and be like, we can't let this happen again. But I agree, playing quarterback for the appleman it, it, it can be tough, especially when you play in a conference that has so many great pass rushers.
2: Well, yeah, I, th- I thing for Mosselman, too, I know some people in the fan base over that way are kind of like, well, things aren't going the way we thought of. You got to think last year was kind of a magical season for him, too. I mean, it's you got a guy like Baden Hartman, who I think that is the if you could create a Musselman-Appleman quarterback from the ground up, Baden Hartman is your quarterback. I mean, he he was everything that this offense wanted, a running ability, the ability to get the ball into the playmaker's hands. He took care of the football. Baden Hartman was a perfect quarterback for the Musselman-Appleman offense. And then you have a guy who's a Division One wide receiver in Ray Adamas who could stretch the field, who could take – Catches and routes out of the backfield could even play a little bit of running back for you in a hybrid setting. I mean, that's that's how they beat Wheeling Park last year. Was they ran Ray Adamas primarily a running back and used him from that point because they were keying, they were doubling Ray every time they played in Wheeling Park last year. Now you take those two elements away, and then a lot of key defensive pieces too. I loved Kobe Money, Kobe Money Penny middle linebacker, Carmichael at defensive tackle was a force in there stopping the run. There's a lot of young guys playing on this Musselman team, and they're still, I think, trying to find their way a little bit. Guys have flashed. Isaiah Beard has flashed a lot this season. Michael Thompson, I mean, like, I was really impressed with him against Washington. He was able to air the football out, and he's going to be back next year. You got, you got guys, the uh, Urias, who I really like Urias, who they're calling Troy Wollaston Jr. Of course, Troy's graduating this year. You got a guy like Urias who's in the wings, who's going to be that next big edge rusher for this Musselman defense. There's a lot of young guys, and they're Starting to come into their own a little bit. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of their progression next year. But for that young roster, for the most part, to get playoff experience, to get into that environment, to face a team that really has a top chance of making it in to Wheeling Island and playing for a championship in Capital Midland, it's going to be a good experience for all those players who are going to be coming back next year. So I guess maybe the biggest takeaway is maybe for Appleman perspective, maybe take a step back a little bit and say, okay, we lost a great quarterback. We lost a Division One wide receiver, a lot of key defensive pieces, but we still made the playoffs with the hardest schedule in the state at this point. So there's things you could tip your cap for. There was challenges this season for Musselman, but they got the wins they needed to get into, and they're in the playoffs. They're playing no matter what you think, and they're going to try and give Calvin Midland their best shot coming up.
1: Way behind on the break here. I'll tell you this, though, uh, and we did, we took it on the chin with our high school football predictions this year. That's fair. Only been out here for a year and a half, folks. I would be shocked, beyond shocked, if this Musselman team doesn't win six games next year. So they take on Calvin Midland in the 116 matchup. All of these games involving Eastern Panhandle teams are kicking at 7.30 this Friday, and tomorrow we'll tell you uh, which game or games, hint, hint, we're going to be broadcasting coming up this week. Number three, Martinsburg, is undefeated as they host number 14, Parkersburg South. Going to be a lot of offense in that game played over at Dave Walker Field. And then the other two Panhandle teams that are hosting number six, Jefferson, is hosting number 11, Wheeling Park, in an interesting matchup of two teams that have some very high octane skill position players. And then two teams that love to run the football, Spring Mills and Spring Valley. That's the 7-10 matchup. It'll kick that game off in Cardinal country this Friday again. All of these games at 7.30. We'll talk a little bit more about them as this week goes on. But we're way behind on a break. we got to talk college football when we return on Panhandle Sports Live.
0: Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, part of the Panhandle News Network.
1: Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. Reaction Monday. Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone with you. You can text us 304-263-4321. I misspoke previous segment. Coburn Field at Dave Walker Stadium. Uh text her wanted to correct me. My apologies. That's where that playoff game is going to be. Going to be exciting to keep up with the playoff action this week. We're going to endeavor to have as many of the coaches on as we can and set the scene for what our broadcast is going to be and uh, hopefully we'll be able to unveil that tomorrow. But we got some college football to talk about and two statement victories from two college football teams in the state of West Virginia. But we begin with the boys just down the road in Shepard. They dominate East Stroudsburg, 44-17, the final score of this game. Shepard scoring the first two touchdowns. East Stroudsburg scored to cut it back to a single score a couple of times in this game. Uh, but in the end, the Rams were too more or too much. Uh, than the Warriors can handle. This was the number one rushing defense in the entire conference. They gave up less than 70 rushing yards again game to East Stroudsburg, but not against Shepard, as Shepard rushes for over 200 yards as a team. Shepard as well, holding East Stroudsburg to 68 yards of rushing for an East Stroudsburg offense that averaged around 200 yards a game. So from start to finish, it was utter domination. Uh, I really think that they got into the head of both quarterbacks and Charlie McKee. He was two of eight passing before an injury. He was removed, and Aaron Tobias came in and threw two interceptions. Uh, before we get Parker Stone's thoughts on this performance uh jordan barnett and malachi brown both going over the 100 yard plateau parker stone was able to catch up with shepherd head football coach ernie mccook down on the field after the game and here's how that interview sounds.
2: fantastic win for this program today knocking off an east stroudsburg team that has played all facets of football to a high degree this year and a dominating performance what was the
0: key today I thought we played well in all three phases. I think our guys came to play with great focus, great energy, kind of matched what we did this week in practice. Uh, Really proud of our football team. You know, they, they said our backs are against the wall and we're not dead
2: yet. So let's talk about rushing the football today, Coach. East Stroudsburg came in today averaging 20 yards less than any other team in the conference in rushing yards allowed, and you come in and have a dominating performance on the rushing attack. Was that the challenge for the rushing game today? Yeah, you know, um, they, they are a great football team. They, they,
0: they are one of the top teams in the PSAC. They're well coached. They've done a great job. They've got great players. Uh, this is a great team win for us. I'm really excited for it. You know, we needed to be good, well, do well in all three phases.
2: And, of course, an emotional day, Coach Cater's involvement, the field dedication to him. What's it mean to put this performance on with him in attendance?
1: Uh, it's awesome. I love that guy, and I'm so happy for him. That uh, You know, that was a pressure, you know, not to blow it on Monty Cater Day. And the Rams certainly didn't blow it on Monty Cater Day. Another big play defensively for Shepard, Naeem Alexander, had a pick six. Uh, Again, this is a Shepard defense that's been down. Members, Dante Harrison, still not playing. Anilio Pena came back last week but wasn't 100%, so you needed somebody still to step up and make a play. Dante Harrison, I'm sorry, uh, (laughs) Alexander was able to do so, and uh, Parker Stone was able to catch up with him after the game as well.
2: All right, Luke, I'm down here with Naeem Alexander. What a performance from you today. Again, a pick six and a game where the defense Absolutely puts a bottle on an East Stroudsburg offense up to this point this season. Been putting up a lot of points. What was the challenge you guys this week on defense? Um, honestly, we just challenged ourselves and made ourselves think that it's going to have to go through us. Like, we understand what goes on. We can't control the other side of the football. All we can control is us. And we just had to go out there and make plays all game. Well, you're a native of Maryland. I just heard you over saying you went to TJ. What's it like to do this just a little bit down the road over in Ram Stadium? Ah, right, man. It feels terrific. I mean... I've been wanting to go here since I was a youngin' and, you know, everything just works out in mysterious ways. Again, it's a defense, I mean, you guys have taken your lumps a lot of times this year. Neilio's been out with injury, Tay's been out with injury at points this year. What's it been like for you guys going next man up? We see Miles take a lot of snaps back there as well. You've been expanded a lot this season and a lot of action. What's it been like for a lot of you guys that have had to take that step this year? I mean, honestly, it started way back spring bowl and fall camp. We knew what we was going to be like in his DB room as far as not even just the DBs, but the whole defense as a whole. We knew we had to have, had to have that mentality, next man up. It doesn't matter who's on that field at any given moment. We got to out, go out there and ball out.
1: So that was Naim Alexander had the pick six. A bold strategy by Parker Stone, not to ask him about the pick six, but uh, fair enough. Uh, but the Rams keep their playoff hopes alive. I was looking at some bracketology over the weekend. Of course, we'll get the official rankings a little bit later on today. Uh, and Shepard should have moved into the top seven, if not as high as six. Uh, so your takeaways from not just a win that the Rams needed, but a dominant win at that.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's what we're talking about right there. A, a big dominant victory for this team to reestablish dominance in this division, I still think they're the best team in the Eastern Division in the PSAC, if you ask me today. I think they are. I, again, I've I've been a Kutztown hater from the start of this season. <laughs> I think they are just – I'll give them credit. They're finishing games and they're getting the job done, but they're doing it in very roundabout and scary ways. That scream if they make the playoffs first-round exit, to me, if they play somebody – that's as high a caliber. But, again, I'll give them credit. They absolutely shut down Shepard when they played earlier in the season. But for East Stroudsburg, just what a performance by this defense. I mean, it just – my mind was blown away by how dominant this defense was. Tyreek Lewis came into this game for East Stroudsburg, a top eight rusher in the conference. They held they held him to 40 yards on 10 carries. They had Tubby Mills, who's probably uh, – he's up there with Jordan Barton as the best number two back for any team in the, in the Eastern Division of the PSAC right now. He had seven carries for 12 yards. He had absolutely nothing going on. The passing game was – All but non-existent except for one Aaron Tobias pass over the top. That's really the only big play they got passing wise in this game again just what a performance by this defense that's my biggest takeaways the offense did their job Seth Morgan did a fantastic job picking apart blitzes and picking apart zone defense from East Stroudsburg Malachi Brown was the second leading receiver in this game just because of the check downs of finding the ability in the middle of the field to find things in that nature it's just a great team win as coach McCook said it's a great team win they did it in all facets of the contest and they played
1: fantastic so 200 yard rushers in that victory for Shepard 200 yard rushers in the 6th Victory and WVU footballs going bowling. They beat BYU 37-7 on Saturday. Jaheim White going for 146 yards and 16 carries, 102, and C.J. Donaldson found the end zone twice. WVU is a team rushing for 336 yards. Garrett Green uh, played well in this game. This has been one of my favorite performances from him as a passer. Despite the 50% completion percentage, he played well enough that Nico Markiel got to come in, throw a couple of uh, passes in this game. Another complete effort for WVU, again you're going to go back at the end of the season and wish Garrett Green didn't take his helmet off because you'd be 7 and 2 right now and still alive to play for a conference championship game technically you still are but WVU going bowling 6 wins and uh you're still in the in the first week of November you got to be happy with their, where WVU is at at this point as well.
2: Hey, one more win and Kirk Herbstreet's got back a back of Brinks truck up for Pat McAfee <laughs> is all i got to say.
1: So, I mean, this this team, I,
2: I love what they're putting together right now and again, a lot of this team is coming back next year, which is really exciting. Jaheem White has been a really fun player that's emerged for this team to be a spellback. He's the lightning in the backfield to C.J. Donaldson's Thunder at this point point. and I know they don't target a lot of guys in the receiving game in this contest, but if your rushing game is as good as it is right now. I think I heard the status like over a certain number of rushing yards. I don't know if it was 300 or 350 since like 2016 or something like that. It was a gaudy rushing number against BYU that they threw out during the contest. But It's a game where you don't have to go to these guys and the receivers in this room. I mean, you look at them, you look at Gallagher, who's a freshman, Preston Fox, who's going to be a returner. Hudson Clement, that didn't get a lot of burn in this game, but still a guy that's going to be a feature guy in this receiver room in years to come, all coming back. I've been hearing online that a lot of people are saying this is one of the better freshman classes that WVU has ever put together on their their end on the team. And I'm really excited for the last few games of the season. Big tests against Oklahoma coming up, then two games against Cincinnati and Baylor. This team's more than outperformed expectations this year.
1: Two other college football games I want to touch on because it was an exciting weekend of college football as well. In my opinion, Caleb Williams outplayed Michael Penix. It didn't matter. Washington defeated uh, USC 52-42. to Dylan Johnson on the ground. For Washington to improve to an undefeated 9-0. 26 carries, 256 yards, and four touchdowns was just unbelievably remarkable. Uh, but Michael Penix did get a game-stealing one-yard touchdown, and here's how it sounded. Tony Castricone on uh, Learfield talking about that game.
2: Inside the one, 35 all, 425 to go third quarter, snap to Penix, QB sneak, he's in! Touchdown, Michael Penix!
1: And it was also uh, the final playing of Bedlam we got to see in Oklahoma State getting that final laugh against Oklahoma, at least for the time being. 27-24, to the final score. uh, Oklahoma State handing Oklahoma their second loss and pretty much completely taking out all hope of uh, a Big 12 team making it to the college football playoff. Ollie Gordon, again, was fantastic in this game. And here's a two-yard rushing touchdown of his to put this game on ice and make it 24-21 to at the time with Dave Hunsaker on Learfield on the call. First and goal at the 2. Bowman hands it off. Gordon straight
2: ahead. And he charges into the end zone. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State.
1: Ollie Gordon, his second of the day. So really, really quickly, Park, your thoughts of some of the other games that happened over the weekend. I mean, not a lot of craziness. Kansas State nearly knocked off Texas. LSU gave two good quarters to Alabama. Ole Miss narrowly escaped their second loss of the season. Texas A&M beat, or, uh, almost beat them. Ole Miss one thirty-eight. Uh, 235, Clemson got a good punch from Notre Dame. The list goes on. Your takeaways uh, from the college football weekend. Yeah,
2: overall, I would say just more more chalk than anything else. Clemson getting a win over Notre Dame was a little surprise. I thought with Clemson, especially with no Will Shipley playing, they were going to get – Handled by the Irish, but Notre Dame has definitely taken a step back from where they were at the start of the season. Ohio State had a scare from Rutgers in the first half. They're able to keep it together and be the top team in the nation still. And Michigan and Penn State winning this past week sets up a big matchup between Michigan and Penn State. The Wolverines need to keep winning because they got Ohio State coming up towards the end of the season. That's going to be a matchup to watch next week. It's going to be Michigan and Penn State.
1: By the way, I forgot to mention that Army was handed a – I'm sorry, they handed the first loss of the season to 25th-ranked Air Force – 23 to 3. You hate to see that, uh, but the Army improved. That's too. their first top 25 wins since, I think, the 1970s. Wow. That's a shame because I was rooting for the Air Force this year. But it is what it is. Shout out to uh, all, all our servicemen and women. Got a break to take when we return. We'll listen back to some highlights from this NFL weekend and uh, get our thoughts as well. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live.
0: You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Tweet your thoughts on today's show at EP Sports Network.
1: Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. It's Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone, hanging out with you here on this Reaction Monday. You can text us 304-263-4321. Coming up, Parker's picks in the final segment. We've got to talk some NFL football here, of course, um, in this third segment. And, uh, Park, we were going to keep receipts on our NFL picks from last Friday. How would we do? You got me by two this weekend. Well, we were went, both uh, above five hundred, right? Yeah, we both went above five hundred. <laughs> See, you, well, we know what we're talking
2: about. Yeah, you, you went nine and three, I went seven and five. The only games that we were separated by were the the Atlanta and Minnesota game, which also hashtag fire Arthur <laughs> Arthur Smith because that guy doesn't know what he's doing as head coach. And then the uh the thriller of the weekend was the uh Texans and Bucks game. My goodness. That I threw that game on towards the end. I was keeping tabs for it, but what a what a fun game that ended up being between Houston and Tampa.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start our conversation with uh, what happened Sunday morning uh, in NFL Frankfurt in a game that didn't disappoint. The Chiefs led 21 to nothing at the half. The Dolphins scored 14 points in the third quarter. We're driving late in the game, and then a miss snap was how things sealed it. And the Dolphins were handed the third loss of the season. Park, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record since week three of last year. So this, mean, this team's a little bit fraudulent. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Although the tumultuous, are, are the, the, the what's the word I'm looking for? Not penultimate. I don't know what I'm talking about. The Chiefs, their 21st point uh, was picked up by a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Here's how that sounded on 106.5 The Wolf.
0: Chiefs lead 14 to nothing. They'll throw it in the near side. Tyreek Hill hit right in the stomach.
1: I don't think he knew what was going on there. It was Tyree Kill that gave up the cookies and uh, the Chiefs that picked up the win.
2: Yeah, what a win for Kansas City. The ability to go in and control this game. Miami had a big comeback in the second half where they shut out Kansas City, really kind of bottled that offense up. But... It was a performance that, again, Kansas City's defense is not being talked about enough as one of the top units. Trent McDuffie is turning into an elite NFL corner this season. And Travis Kelsey was quoted after this game saying this is probably the best defense he's ever played with. And this defense showed out and limited a good Miami offense to 14 points. So
1: the Chiefs are going into the bye with the top seed in the AFC. Well, you mentioned that really exciting game involving the Houston Texans, uh, and we'll talk about that now. 39-37, to 37, the final score. C.J. Stroud, 470 yards and five touchdowns, a rookie record. Unbelievable, and hooking up with his boy Tank Dell for the definitive touchdown of this game. Uh, and like you mentioned, just one of the most entertaining games of the early window. Here's how it sounded on KILT.
0: Stroud in the gun, empty backfield after motion. First down of the Bucs, 15. Ten seconds to go. C.J. gets the snap. C.J. looking, throwing to the end zone. Yes! The yes! He's yes! The yes. The lead yes. And With the reception!
1: Well, they're fired up there in Texans country, and it seems as though they got the right quarterback. Yeah, I mean he's he's a top
2: ten quarterback right now in the NFL. I mean he's fantastic, and I'm I'm happy for Stroud. He's broken the mantra that Ohio State quarterbacks can't play in the NFL. And from all the talk that people were having before the draft, saying the S two test and he did bad on that, and he was like, "I'm not a test taker. I play football well." <laughs> he he proved that this weekend. He what a what a final drive. And I, I again I can count maybe on two hands if that how many quarterbacks could have done that in the NFL so I mean he's already if he's not burgeoning on the top 10 or in the top 10 right now of quarterbacks in the league he's right there I mean he's fantastic CJ Stroud is
1: who would have thought that the Washington Commanders would be handing the Patriots their seventh loss of the season in early November 20 to 17 the final score a game in which Sam Howell throws for 325 yards and also this 33 yard touchdown reception to one Jahan Dotson and how it sounded on WBIG three wide receivers to the left Snap to Howe. Patriots break five. Plenty of time. Lobs one. center of the field. A lot of traffic. John Dodson. What a catch!
0: Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! For a 33-yard strike from Howe.
1: The starting quarterback week one for the Washington Commanders next season will be who? Sam Howell. Right.
2: I, I think at this point there was uh, the thought process, they talked about this before the game, was... When they traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young, the thought was that it this is a move for the future and to build around Sam Howell, and it it looks to be the case. Also, shout-out to them finally finding Jahan Dotson wherever he was hiding <laughs> for the first seven weeks of the season. He finally has come out and has decided to play once again. But, yeah, it's a good win for the commanders. So either Washington is the best Bad team in the NFL or the worst good team in the NFL? They're they're in a weird spot, but it's it's a team that has a lot of good future pieces. I like Dotson, I like McLaurin, Sam House shown he can throw the football consistently he throws 45 times in this game it's a commander's team that still has a couple pieces still have some stuff to continue to grow upon but the foundation is being
1: laid in washington the stories that we heard from josh dobbs stepping into this vikings room just all vibes didn't know the snap count didn't know the cadence didn't know the plays they were diagramming it for him on the sidelines in between drives is unbelievable and yet Minnesota who somehow seem to have turned their season around, were able to beat the Arthur Smith-led Vikings 31-28, to the final score. The Vikings are now 5-4, and four, and Dobbs had an 18-yard touch. Uh, he was the leading rusher in this game, by the way. An 18-yard touchdown run, as you could have heard, on KFAN to tie it up at 21 at the time. Josh
2: Dobbs goes out of the shotgun, puts Brandon Powell in motion. Four receivers. Dobbs looks left, shakes the shoulders, gets away from the pressure, right, pumps on a Falcons linebacker, shakes and tackles the
0: tackles to 15-10. Touchdown! Josh Dobbs!
1: So there you go, the Vikings win that game there, and there's still a chance, despite the fact that they had to go through a change of quarterback, that we're looking at a playoff team here.
2: With how bad the NFC is in the in the depth that the conference has, Minnesota could realistically be a wild-card team just because of, I mean, we've seen results all over the place. Minnesota's 5-4. and four. A
1: real, real shot this team could get that last wild-card spot if they keep playing good. The number two scoring tight end over the last three weeks of fantasy football uh, is not Mike Gusecki, it's not Hunter Henry, it's not Darren Waller, it's Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill had a touchdown reception when the Saints, they beat the Bears 24-17 to improve to 5-4 and on the season. Here's how that sounded on WWL.
0: Car back in, third and goal from the two. Kamara to his left. Far to throw. Does throw. Throws to Taysom Hill. Right corner of the end zone, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans.
1: So how about that? Saints 5-4. and four. Yeah,
2: I mean, they're on track right now to win the NFC South, and I think they're going to start running away with that at this point. Tampa loses another game. Carolina's in the mud. We'll get to them here in a little bit, and Overall, I think it's just a division that right now New Orleans has a comfortable control on, it feels like right now. And they're playing good football. Derek Carr has been playing pretty good the past few games. He's not turning the ball over, he's finding guys. Chris Olave finally scores his second touchdown of the season. And New Orleans is playing good ball. They're pl- throwing the ball well. Alvin Kamara is coming alive, and the defense is playing well.
1: The Raiders, with their first game with the new head coach, four and five, they're able to beat the Giants 30 to six. Uh, This is a game that Vegas just looked really good. Aiden O'Connell game managed his way through. Josh Jacobs looked great. Everything was firing on all cylinders because A.J. Cole set the NFL record for average punt yards in a game. He only punted four times and averaged over 60 yards a kick, which is remarkable. Uh, But the silver and black pick up a win and got to get uh, a Josh Jacobs touchdown run in here on KRLV. Uh, In fact, let's play two of
0: them. O'Connell is under center. He gives it to Jacobs. Following. Offensive lineman at the goal line. The ball is loose, but they call it a touchdown. Josh Jacobs reached it over the goal line before it popped out of his hands. His second rushing touchdown of the day. O'Connell's under center. Jacobs the lone tailback. Snap. Hand off Jacobs. Cuts in the hole. Right side at the one. Pushing forward. Touchdown Raiders. Josh Jacobs caps off a wonderful drive.
1: So hopefully the Raiders can turn their fortunes around park really quickly. Just looks like the G-men are ready to tank. Yeah. I mean,
2: Daniel Jones more than likely has a torn ACL. The MRI is going to confirm it today, but it just, (laughs) what a nightmare of a season it's been as a Giants fan, but uh, let's just keep on moving. I guess we're going to rock Tommy DeVito until Tyrod Taylor comes back and Go from that point, I don't know if it's, I mean, this is a franchise-altering decision here for the Giants. Do you go for a new quarterback, or do you try and build an offensive line that can protect Daniel Jones? Of course, neck injury, now a knee injury. Can you trust him to stay healthy? I mean, this is this is franchise-altering decisions that Joe Shane and Brian Dable have to make for year three.
1: Put these next two games in uh, together. The Eagles beat the Cowboys 28-23, to in which a game uh, Dak Prescott played pretty well, 374 yards and uh, three touchdowns, but the Eagles were just too much, and A.J. Brown continues to have a fantastic season.
0: Eagles up, 21-17. Hurts, fires, complete to A.J. Brown. Touchdown! He yeah. caught the ball at the two,
2: cut
1: yeah. back and walked in. So that call on WIP, and then Sunday Night Football, 24-18, the Bengals have started to turn their season around. They're 5-3. The Bills now 5-4 and four after they're handed this loss. Joe Burrow... Throwing for 348 yards and two touchdowns for the Bengals in this victory. Um, as the highlight just popped off my screen. There we go. Um, and they were able to win uh, with this uh, performance from this offense and this high-octane Bengals offense. Here's a touchdown pass to make it 21-7 to on WLW. Joe has the ball.
0: Under pressure, dumps it nice. off short, caught. Drew Sample has a first down to the 10. The face nice. for yeah. the pylon. Nice. He's in. Touchdown. Beautiful. Bengals. Drew Sample.
1: So the games we didn't get to talk about, and you'll get your closing thoughts here in just a second. Part. Uh the Browns shut out the Cardinals. The Cardinals are one and eight. The Browns won 27 to nothing. The Packers beat the Rams 20 to 30. Jordan Love just barely hanging on to that uh, that future spotted quarterback there for Green Bay. The Ravens dominate the Seahawks 37-3. to Lamar Jackson really didn't have to do much in the Ravens' seventh win. Uh, let's see what else. The Colts beat the Panthers. The Panthers 1-7. Bryce Young threw three interceptions. He does not look good. So those games along with the two we just played, the Cowboys and the Bengals, uh, putting your final touches on uh, your takeaways from this weekend in the NFL.
2: Baltimore looks like a Super Bowl contender. I think it's time to slowly panic on Bryce Young because we're seeing his counterpart light things up. Bryce Young not doing it on the other hand as well. So, I mean, not not a full hitting the panic button, but it's time to get a little worrisome if you're a Carolina
1: Panthers fan on Bryce Young. All right, there you have another break to take. We'll get Parker's picks after this. You're listening to Panhandle Sports
0: Live. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back. It's Reaction Monday
1: here in the Hoppy Kirchhoff building on Panhandle Sports Live. The award-winning Panhandle Live standing by top of the hour, but before that, we got some more business to take care yeah, of. Yeah,
2: well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, luck, luck,
1: luck, uh. luck, luck, luck.
2: Yeah, I like to call this my luck of the day. Proving it it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, so we went two for three on the college football slate. We picked W V U to cover by ten. We had I think they I think they covered. I think I had a little bit. I think I think I did our enough to cover in that one. But we went two for three overall in our college slate for the weekend. I believe we went one of three for the NFL slate, of course. The uh Falcons for the second week in a row laying a, a an egg for us for beating a rookie quarterback, but which ended up turning into Josh Dobbs, but yeah, 1-3 uh, weekend for the NFL, 2-3 and three weekend for college. So we're going to turn and try and get some money on Monday Night Football tonight. It is Jets and it is Chargers. And I'm going with the lock for today is going to be Quentin Johnston's over 31.5 receiving yards. Josh Palmer, the wide receiver 2 in Los Angeles, was put on IR. He's out for the next four games. If Quentin Johnston is going to finally show he's worth something for the Chargers, it has to be now and they're going to have to target him. Sauce Gardner, I imagine, is going to be a lot on Keenan Allen tonight. So it's going to be on Quentin Johnston and the tight ends for – the chargers to try and make something happen i'm gonna go quentin johnson finally has a little bit of momentum of course after i trade him in fantasy football and he's gonna go over 31 and a half receiving yards tonight and also these are a couple Brees hall ones for you i like Brees hall a lot tonight over 61 and a half rushing yards for Brees tonight and i got him as an anytime touchdown score i think Brees is gonna have a great game against this chargers defense that has been a little leaky at times this year so quentin johnston 32 receiving yards or more tonight. I think he gets the over. And then Brees Hall, 62 rushing yards at least, and a touchdown tonight for the Jets running back.
1: Well, like we mentioned in the first segment, the high school football playoff picture has been revealed with four Eastern Panhandle Athletic Conference teams represented, Cabell Midland and Musselman. Musselman going on the road for that one. And then three teams hosting in the first round, Martinsburg, Jefferson, and Spring Mills, Martinsburg hosting Parkersburg South, Jefferson hosting Wheeling Park, and Spring Mills hosting Spring Valley. All of those games will kick this Friday uh, at 7.30. We'll tell you what our game or games is going to be tomorrow. That's certainly going to be a fun conversation. And as the week progresses, we are going to endeavor to link up with uh, the members of uh, all head football coaches that's got... Uh, EPAC teams in the first round, so that's going to be fun as well, and we're also going to be reacting to the Region 1 playoff rankings that'll be revealed here in the next couple of days as to where Shepard is going to be after beating East Stroudsburg. One game left in the regular season. It's Mercyhurst this Saturday. You can hear that game at high noon over on 95.9 The Big Dog, but that's going to do it for us today. For Parker Stone, I've been Luke Wigg. Stay tuned. The award-winning Panhandle Live is coming up in just a moment. This has been Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM and WCST.